Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Evangelism podcast. Today's episode is entitled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, Which God Gave. And I'm here today with Pastor Dan Millenkoff from the Hillview Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome, Danny. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. I always like to chat to you about evangelism, about prophecy, about the things that we preach. It's mm. always a good time. Absolutely, yes. Well, evangelism, it's all about the good news, isn't it? Amen. And, there's, and there's nothing better than talking about the good news of the gospel and the good news uh, about Jesus Christ and Amen. his love. So, yeah, privilege for me to be here. Thank Amen. you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. And, okay, so today, just to get the ball rolling in our conversation, you know, the world that we're living in, Danny, it's getting a bit strange. The verse that continues to come to my mind in the last few weeks is where Jesus talks about how at the end of time, when everything is unfolding, men's hearts will be failing them for fear mm, of the yes. things that they're you know, anticipating are going to come on the earth. In the economic sphere right now, I think that there's probably more confusion and uncertainty than has ever been since there have been functioning modern economies like post-industrial revolution. Like I've been listening to economists lately. Mm. I've been listening to business investors, investment firms, they say that the landscape right now is so chaotic, so confused, that we have no clue what's going to happen as we move forward into the future. And so a lot of my friends and a lot of my family members are sending me YouTube links where this person's speculating about what's going to happen, and that person's talking about this conspiracy theory, and this person's talking about the Great Reset. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes get tempted to, to go, you know, exploring these various videos, but I don't, I don't, because I just don't think that at the end of the day, it's too terribly healthy for me or for you or for Seventh-day Adventist church members to chase these speculative theories and these conspiracy type teachers that are out there. What do you think about this? You're a pastor and we're people who have an apocalyptic message and it can become very appealing to people like ourselves who have an end time message to kind of wander into these spaces with all of these conspiracy theorists and speculative teachers and all that stuff. Mm. We're scared. We're looking for some security. We're, what do you think about this stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, the Seventh-day Adventist movement, this prophetic movement was born out of Bible prophecy almost 200 years ago now, I guess, 200 years ago, got up and going with the advent of William Miller. So really part of our DNA has always been an interest in Bible prophecy, especially in relation to the signs of Jesus coming. I'm an evangelist and have been, you know, been blessed to be, to be doing that for the last 15 odd years. And what are the first couple of subjects that we start on? As evangelists, we start off with Daniel 2, generally speaking, and then we move into the signs of Jesus coming. So, you know, prophecy and the signs of Jesus coming, be it the economic signs, be it what's happening on the political uh, field or in the religious sphere or the environment or now let's talk about health and COVID and so on and so forth. That is always uh, very much front and center when it comes to Adventists and how we understand Bible prophecy and especially how we understand those closing moments of earth's history when all these different elements that we have mentioned that are going on right now around us would come to a climax. So the question is, yeah, how do we deal with the advent of the internet 
that has brought with it uh, a billion, a trillion different theories that are weird and wonderful, many of them. How do we deal with that? So I think it's a really fine line, a really fine line between doing as Jesus invited us to do, to watch out for the signs that he has given us in the scriptures, and at the same time not get so caught up in in a number of these theories that are more speculation and and they can take a lot of our time and our interest and our focus to put it simply as far as my attitude is concerned i tell people when they ask me what do you trust because i'm like you i get i get links sent to me all the time from different people family friends church members just randoms that somehow find my email address and they send me they send me different links to watch something on on whatever especially the last 12 months and so when I'm asked, well, what do you believe in? Where do you get your truth from? And it's very simple. I get it from Scripture. I get it from the Scriptures. And the Scriptures, I find the books of Daniel, Revelation, Jesus, in what he shares you know, regarding his coming. It's very interesting when you look at what Jesus shares, what the Scriptures share, Daniel and Revelation. God gives us the big picture. He doesn't give us specifics. He doesn't go into specific details. Um, Sometimes he does, but generally he'll give us the big picture when it comes to Bible prophecy, the things that are important for us to know and understand as as it relates to our connection with Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. So my focus, my focus is on taking a look at what the Bible teaches, having a look at the events that are going on in our world that are of prophetic significance, that are very... are clear and out there and in the public domain and cannot be disputed by anyone and I think that is sufficient for me and so I'll never get caught up in going to you know going beyond that uh, even though it might be exciting and interesting right. but it's not it's not helpful to my spiritual growth and it's certainly not helpful to enabling others to put their faith and trust in bible prophecy and you know there's this verse that I just you just it just exploded into my mind. It's Deuteronomy 29, 29. Have you mm, heard of it? Yes, I have. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of mm. this law. Yeah. So there are secret things, but they belong to the Lord. And it seems like conspiracy theorists are always after the secret things. Mm. They want to know what God hasn't revealed. But really, ultimately, we just need to know what he has revealed because what he's revealed is what's necessary for our salvation. And I think there's always this part of humanity that just wants to know the secret things, the hidden things. And there's lots of things that that are secret and hidden that God has revealed, and then that's for us to know and to understand. But I had a friend one time who said, Matt, the devil always wants to get you off the platform of revelation. Because if you can get you off the platform of revelation into the space of speculation, you've got no foundation, no mm, anchor. That's true. And you can easily be manipulated, yeah. easily be controlled. So how do, we, how do we dress just members, friends who are kind of into the conspiracy world? What do we say? You know, they're going to this teacher, that teacher, this conspiracy theorist, that conspiracy theorist. Is there a danger to it? Do we say, hey, there's a bit of a danger here? What do we say? What do you think? I think I would meet them where they're at. I I believe we need to show grace and kindness because there are many who are genuinely seeking and searching. They're just not sure where to find it. And so I would say, look, I can see you are very interested 
in what is going on. You're like, I've, I've had a family, I've got a family relative that asked me the question. This is probably a really good illustration. This is as real as it gets. Had a family member we were just having during COVID, you know, they're down in Melbourne. I'm up here, got sister up in Brisbane. So, you know, we decided, hey, we want to hang out. So let's have a trivia night. So away we went, we had a trivia night via Zoom. We're all well familiar with Zoom now, aren't we? After the last 12 months. <laughs> anyway, so we're Zooming away and, and just, yeah, just, just in the course of our, of our trivia evening, something came up about the COVID vaccine and my cousin said, oh, Danny, you know what? I know you're into Bible prophecy. I, I think from, based on what I've seen, it's the mark of the beast. We ought to avoid it at all costs. The vaccine, that is the mark of the beast based on what she had seen. And instead of me, you know, I was tempted to say, look, no, don't be stupid, you know. Why would, I can't believe you're my cousin and you're caught up in this stuff. What's wrong with you? The temptation did cross my mind, but I thought, no, I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't do that to my cousin anyway, not in a public way, not even in a private way. But anyway, I took that as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? The Bible does talk about the mark of the beast. You are absolutely spot on. It talks about it and it's going to be a, a, a worldwide issue. It's going to divide the world into two groups, those that choose the mark of the beast and those that choose to the seal of God. There are two opposites and the Bible talks about it. I said, how would you like, and so we're having this trivia, I said, how would you like for me to share with you from the Bible what it actually says about it? And she goes, yeah, I think I'd be interested. And I said to the other cousins, hey, why not? How would you, would you guys all like to find out? And they said yes. And so that began a Bible study with my cousins, my first ever Bible study with my cousins. And we didn't start off with, I gave them the big picture. I didn't go into the specifics of the mark of the beast because I, I tried to avoid that on the first Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> but I just simply said, the reality is that we are now plunging, in my view, into uh, a time in Earth's history where I believe, unless God pulls up the handbrake, the things that the Bible says will take place at the end of time can take place and will take place and, and pretty quickly. And so I gave them sort of an overall view. We talked about Matthew 24 more so and so forth. And now we're into Bible studies. So yeah. I've got now five cousins from that trivia evening that are joining me on Bible studies. So we're starting off, we started off at the beginning, looking at Christ, salvation and so on and so forth. And, and I said to them, yes, we're going to get to the nitty gritty of the mark of the beast and the seal of God, we're going to discover what that is, but we need to first build a platform mm -hmm. because without a platform, without a foundation, you won't have the understanding that you need to understand how this all relates to your salvation and in the context of Jesus Christ as your saviour and in the context of the overall plan of God mm -hmm. through, through scripture. So here we are. So yeah. that's how I believe we need to deal with it. So we need to take the person seriously and seek to offer to help them understand what God's plans are for them through Bible prophecy. Unreal. I think that's so smart. You were very evangelistic. You didn't cause unnecessary conflict. You didn't turn the situation into a you know disagreement. No, I affirmed her. Yeah. I affirmed her and God gave the opportunity and here we are into Bible studies. Bible we haven't got to the mark of the beast yet. Totally. <laughs> um, I guess we can always be so quick to disagree mm. that we sometimes miss opportunities for witnessing and sharing Yeah, because the person's obviously interested, like your cousin was interested in spiritual things or at least prophetic things. Yeah. And you capitalized on that and, yeah. and you saw that as a door that Jesus opened for you. Mm. To so I think Jesus said we've got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Yes. And I think that's how we need to approach this. Yeah, you and I, we both agree that delving deep into conspiracy theories not only waste time, but it also will distort your understanding of what the Bible 
uh, really says about Bible prophecy. We know that it's harmful and it's damaging. But if you come straight out and tell someone, look, you're wasting your time, this is just going to ruin your mind, and so on and so forth, and be very confrontational, what will tend to do, I would say the majority of the time, is, is put them off and, and they will still continue on with their conspiracy theories and head down the wrong track. And we, yet they wouldn't, they wouldn't give you the opportunity for you to expose them mm. to the reality and the truth about what Bible prophecy teaches. In the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the center is Jesus Christ. He yes. is the center in both of those books that are filled with, with prophecies. Yes. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, it's like this mm. keystone text for, for all evangelists. And it says, God is basically saying, I am in the Lord. There's none else. I am God and there is none other. And then he says, knowing the end from the beginning and declaring from former times things that have not yet mm. come to pass. And that verse right there tells us that if we're worried about the future, the place to go is the God of the Bible. Mm. It's God, the one who inspired the prophets, who tells us, he tells us the end from the beginning. And so I think there's, this is just a, a, something I've observed, is that many people don't want to take the time and expend the necessary energy to carefully study God's word. Mm. There's effort involved. There's work involved. There's a lot of mental energy and emotional energy you have to invest in, in it. And it's a slow and sometimes tedious process mm. to, to really dig into God's word, to familiarize yourself with the texts of scripture and to dig deep in, into the scripture for truth and for understanding. It's much easier just to click a switch, go to a YouTube video and have exactly. some guy tell you something. Exactly, yeah. But ultimately, God is the one who knows the end from the beginning, not an economist or some you know, teacher you found on YouTube or whatever. And if someone's ex- exposing scriptural truth, that's fine. Like they're teaching the text of scripture, that's great. But for a Bible believer, you shouldn't just be... And what if, what if you found this conspiracy theorist who actually knew the truth? Like, they could identify you for you who's behind all the things that are happening in the world, and it's this is a setup, and that's a setup. Would that prepare me more for living in heaven? Would that somehow convert my soul more? Jesus says, sanctify them through your truth. Mm. Your word is truth. That's right. Right? Okay, so you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is in God's word. And you find, anyway, so I just think that's a really, that's something that comes to my mind yeah. when I think of what's happening right now in the world. Let's go to God. He tells us the end from the beginning. We have these pro- prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. Let's go study them. I think it's, when it, when it comes to specifics, um, I mentioned earlier that God generally doesn't give us specifics when it comes to Bible prophecy. He more just paints the big picture. Mm-hmm. You look at Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 and, and so on and so forth. There are, very, there are times when God gives you specifics where he'll name names. For mm-hmm. example, Cyrus. 150 years before Cyrus was born, the one who would overtake, the one who would conquer Babylon, God mentions him by name. God mentions how Babylon will be destroyed very specifically. There, There are many illustrations throughout Scripture of God giving very specific details, naming names, date, giving timelines and everything. And so this is what I have come to understand as I've been reading Bible prophecy. I've come to understand, and you alluded to this and shared this, the things that matter when it comes to our salvation, those uh, points on the road to salvation, those markers that we need to help us to know that not only are we on the right track, but that we are nearing home, 
they have all been provided by God. Mm. He hasn't missed out on giving not even one of those. He hasn't left one behind. And so if we put our faith and trust in him, knowing the specifics that God has given, we need them. The specifics he hasn't given, we don't need them. We can trust in him, and that's all we need, mm-hmm. and that's all we need. When individuals come and, and they do have an interest in Bible prophecy, that's what I share with them, and I share with them the overall picture of the great controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, because Bible prophecy is in the context of this great controversy You know, that began in heaven between Christ and Satan that is being played out here on this earth. And each person is a participant in this great controversy. And so when individuals understand the great controversy, when you help them understand that, that is when they have a a platform on which to build on when it comes to how they navigate through Bible prophecy. And then when different conspiracy websites and links and so forth come their way, they are able to discern and they are able to yeah know the difference between that which is helpful to their spiritual growth and witness and that which is not. What do you think of these texts of Scripture? Cursed is the man who trusts in men. Oh, I think that says it all. <laughs> in Psalms, there's a psalm that says, put not your trust in princes nor in the son mm. of man in whom there is no help. Mm. Right? Look to me, all you ends of the earth, for... I am the Lord and there is none other. And God knows the end from the beginning. He's got predictive prophecies in Scripture that have the essential information that we need. Yeah. And in the United States, I feel like a lot of people who are Seventh-day Adventists, they have a very partisan perspective when it comes to prophecy. Like some are just afraid of the Republican Party because their platform more aligns with biblical values. So they just assume that they're the dangerous party. And, that and that's where Revelation 13 will be. That's right. It has to be the Republicans. Exactly. And that's that's because they're partisan. Yeah. They're, they're Democrats. And yeah. so they just style their political opponents like the enemy. Yeah. But Revelation 13 doesn't say no, doesn't. that the mark of the beast will come through one political party or the other. The majority of supposedly Protestant Christians in America are Democrats. Nobody stops to think about that. So I think it's really important what you're saying. The big picture of events is described in prophecy, but which political party is to you know be feared or what, all that kind of specificity is just not there in the text. So before we end, because we've got to end, we're short on time. This went by quick. Revelation chapter one, I want us to read it. Sure. Because the, the podcast today is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, mm. or which God gave. And you want to read that for us, Danny? Sure. Just verses one uh, through three? Yeah, sure. I was hoping you go to verse 3 because I think those first three verses really set the platform for the entire book and when it comes to Bible prophecy and this subject that we're talking about. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Okay, so the revelation of Jesus Christ that he got from where? That he got from his Father, from God. (laughs) From God. So we have at our disposal God's revelation of future events in symbolic form. Mm, That's right. Why would I, if I have access to God's view of the future, why would I be consulting humans? <laughs> you know, well, it doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> yeah, like, like human, like it, that's just absurd. It'd be like I have the smartest man on earth who's here at my disposal, but instead of being educated by that individual, I go to someone 
who's utterly uncultured, never studied anything, can hardly read. And I'm looking, that would be insensible. That would be silly. And so the revelation that comes from God is available to us. Why wouldn't we spend more time like studying that, right? Well, it says it very clearly here in verse 3, Blessed is he who reads. And those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is in. So God is saying right at the very outset, you will be blessed mm-hmm. if you read this book and you take note of what I have written. So if it's not in the book of Revelation mm-hmm. and Daniel, I'm not interested. I don't care who comes up with the theory and with the idea. If it's not in here, it may be true. Right. It may be true. It may not be all made up stories and so forth. The things that on that YouTube may be true. Only God knows. But if it's not in this book, it's obviously not important as far as my salvation is concerned. It's not relevant to my salvation and certainly not relevant to the whole great controversy issue Mm -hmm. where my worship and my allegiance will be on the line today and every day until the end of time, until I breathe my final breath. So if it's not in the book of Revelation... I'm not interested. Yeah, one of the things. Why would I waste my time? Totally. One of the things that sticks out to me in this passage is that God wants His servants to know the future. Mm. Well, He does. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show, to show His servants things that must shortly come to pass. And so God felt it necessary to reveal to His servants what was going to come to pass, and He would do that because He loves His people. He cares. For them, and he wants to guide them. And when they're going through difficulty, he wants to be there by their side, coaching them and helping them to understand and make sense out of what's happening. And so, if it's important to know, God reveals it to you. And here in Revelation, he wants us to know certain future events. And knowing is something that brings peace, it brings like a sense of it's going to be okay yeah. when the whole world's going berserk. And the book of Revelation, it says, is. It's signified messages. It's messages in symbolic form. And so I'm just going to leave this with you just to kind of close off, and maybe I'll say one or two things too. But the person who's never studied the book of Revelation, here we have a a blessing pronounced. Mm. Study the book, you'll be blessed. But then they read the book and it's, huh? There's a bunch of symbols and all kinds of crazy imagery. How am I supposed to know what in the world's being talked about here. It seems like a hallucination, not like a revelation. So what would you say as a pastor, as a student of scripture, how do they understand God's revelation about the future to those he loves? Okay. Oh, and before you say that, I wanted to say just a little mm -hmm, caveat. mm -hmm, Sorry. mm -hmm. Uh, I forgot to say this before and I'll kill myself if I don't say it. But um, in our church, sometimes there are people who talk about prophecy as if it's something bad like we shouldn't talk about end time scenarios and or we're just trying to scare people into the church by talking about end time scenarios i i just find that to be such contradictory reasoning because the revelation is of jesus christ it comes from jesus so if you care about jesus then you should care about what he wants to reveal to you and if he wants to reveal to you end time scenarios then even if they make you scared they're still important some things are scary that it's still good to be informed about it because if there's a bunch of landmines in my backyard and you tell me about it because you don't want me to step on one and get my legs blown off, like I might look at you and say, yeah, those things scare me, but I'm going to be really glad that you decided to tell me that they were there, right? So I just find it so bizarre that people do that. But not to distract from the question, you're talking to the person who's just 
confused because this book looks like a hallucination. Give them some advice. Okay. Well, before I answer that regarding the the whole scary business, yeah. I, I, I'd like to tell people when I'm studying Bible prophecy, God is not in the business of scaring. He's in the business of preparing. Not Amen. to scare, but to prepare. And so he gives us these messages as messages of love, warnings of love to help us to know where the cliff is so that we can stay on the path um, that leads to his kingdom. So how is a person to understand Bible prophecy? Um, the first thing we need to do is we need to humbly ask for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the scriptures. So he is the teacher. He is the ultimate teacher. So we ask and pray humbly for the Holy Spirit to teach us, to give us understanding and claim the promise. I'll say, Lord, here, I'm going to read your promise to you that you gave, blessed is the one who reads, hears, and so on and so forth. I'm claiming this promise. And so then what do we need to do? Okay, then what we need to do is we need to take a look at where John was told that the book of Revelation would be signified, as it says here, or, or placed in signs, signs and symbols. And so then what we need to do is we need to ask, okay, where can we find this sign where we where can we find this symbol and we discover that in the old testament the imagery the symbols the stories mm -hmm. are all to be found in the old testament some parts of revelation explain themselves like for example you know it speaks of a beast coming up out of the sea and you discover in revelation 17 15 that a beast sorry that the sea represents many nations peoples tribes and tongues so sea represents a lot of people right. a beast coming up out of the earth is obviously a nation or a beast we discover is a nation so when you start comparing scripture with scripture when you have those keys that unlock what these prophecies are, the images, the symbols, even names, then you have a very good understanding. But you need to read the Old Testament. In order to understand the book of Revelation, you must read the Old Testament. You must understand the stories, you know, the messages behind these symbols from Revelation that are all taken out of, or the majority of them are taken out of the, the, the Old Testament. In fact, Testament. there are some 404 verses in the book of Revelation, 276 of those verses have direct allusions or direct symbols, references, even quotes from the Old Testament. Oh. 276. So when you go to those passages, then you have an opportunity to understand what it is saying. Brilliant. Yeah, that's so good. Hey, so local scenarios are taken, expanded upon to communicate future realities. So like a universal spiritual application is made from a local story That's right. in the Old Testament. That's well, right. So for example, yeah. Babylon comes up heavily in the book of Revelation, the second half. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look at Babylon in the Old Testament, beginning with the Tower of Babel, which is where its origin, and you go through and you take a look at Babylon, and especially during the days of Daniel, you discover what Babylon represents. And then when you come to Babylon in the book of Revelation, you have a very good idea of what Babylon is at the end of time, what kind of a system it is, because all the clues uh, are to be found there in the Old Testament. And That's it's it. simple. It's straightforward. It's like it's like one plus one. Yeah, it is. It's funny because everything's simple once you understand it, but yeah. it takes lots of time and energy to study, to get familiar. And, you know, Babylon was a center of opposition to God. That's right. In the Old Testament. And Babel was where God confused the language. So That's you right. get Babylon, you have the connotation of confusion. You have the idea of opposition to God. Rebellion. Rebellion against towards God. Towards God's a, word and his promises. And his promises. A center of idolatry, mm -hmm. false Persecution. concepts of God. Yeah, totally. And then Babylon is depicted in Revelation 17 as a prostituted woman, mm -hmm. as a mother of harlots. And in the Old Testament, when God's people were 
disloyal to him, mm-hmm. he used the symbol of a prostitute That's to describe right. them. Book of so, Hosea is a yeah, whole book there's on There's a whole that. book about it, yeah. <laughs> so you see Babylon then would be God's people that had prostituted themselves and ended up becoming a center of opposition to the true worship of God. That's right. Voila. Yeah. Voila. It Just from become, the Old Testament. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, it is very simple. So when you allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, it's very, very simple. And That's then it. you understand what the message is, and, and you don't need to go chasing all these rabbits, as you say, down various rabbit holes. That's it. I want to say to you guys before we leave, it's been said that if you make people think, they'll hate you. But if you make them think they're thinking, they'll love you. There's a lot of people out there who want to make you think you're thinking, and you'll love them. You'll see them as some great teacher guru. We're not those kinds of teachers in this conference, in this department. We want people to study the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave. We want solid, sound-minded people who, who know the Word of God mm. and who take time and who expend whatever energy they need to find the truth as it is in Jesus through his word. And uh, Uriah Smith in his great commentary, Thoughts on Daniel and Revelation, when he comments on Revelation chapter 5 and John the prophet, and he's got the scroll, and and he's like looking at the scroll, and he begins to be overcome with sadness because there's no one who's found that could open up the scroll. No one worthy. No one worthy to Mm. open it up. And then he begins to weep. It says, I wept bitterly. And... An interesting devotional thought that Uriah brings out in his commentary is that he says the book of Revelation was not written without tears, mm. nor will it be understood yeah. without tears. Mm. And so it took great effort to give us the prophetic Amen. messages from God, and it often takes effort to find it. But it's worth it. Amen. It's worth it. It's Amen. a treasure in a field. So this is our admonition to you guys this week in all things evangelism. Let's study the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave. All the best to you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. God bless. Bye-bye.